soundtrack. Um, I think this album is pretty, and I think this album is pretty inventive. Nice. <laughs> you sound like you are in seventh grade during <laughs> your first speech in class. <laughs> <laughs> And you you giving this speech off of a paper that you were supposed to make sure was 500 words. <laughs> That's true. Be using words. I used to not use contractions. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Will yeah. not. Instead of your. Yep. To make it longer. Yep. I'm, I'm sorry, that was really mean. Made the, yeah. font, made the font just a little bit bigger. I think that's AP standards anyways. To not use contractions. Really? It is true. I think you're so. not supposed to. Oh, in, in formal yeah. writing, you're not supposed to use contractions. I totally did. Well, anyway, inner city Belgrade. Nobody told me. Inner city Belgrade. Inner city hip town. <laughs> um, number two album, Contra. Contra is pretty inventive. Oh boy. I was trying to like make my voice crack like a seventh grader. Okay, so it's pretty and it's pretty inventive. Um, I want to say that it's like self-titled. It's those two are the most similar mm -hmm. out of the dis discography. Um, but I just want to say that it, it is less catchy. Mm -hmm. um, it is, I think that this album is inventive, and like that's great. I think that there's really only a handful of bands that pull off doing inventive music and albums um, and like do them well. I think that this album is inventive to a fault. Um, so I think they pulled in a lot of strange influences, like unorthodox influences, like what would go into an indie album. And that's really cool, but I think it at, it is at the expense of like the the overall like quality of the album or like the re-listenability. Um, and that being said, I think that there is a glaring inconsistency in the album planted in there. Uh, so like uh, Shawshank Redemption is, a, is an Oscar bait movie, right? Like you have movies that are Oscar bait. Par uh, Parasite, Oscar bait. Like these movies that are like, uh, they play to Except that Parasite was a foreign film, so it was kind of a surprise that. Uh, well, okay, okay, yeah, that's actually a really good point. I watched it and I'm like, however, how, I mean, it's an amazing. It's film. amazing, but yeah. Anyway, sorry. But Continue. Uh, okay, I'm trying. Well, I'm trying to think of like a good like Oscar bait movie. Well, The Shape of Water was. I never saw it, but I know those oh, kind of artsy so kind of good. thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, like Green Mile. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so it's like these movies that like kind of play to like, um, like what would get them noticed or like what would win awards, um, or like play to certain emotions, like for a certain outcome. And I, I think that the song that is planted in this album, that is like radio bait, um, or like single bait, is um, giving up the gun, because mm -hmm. it is wildly different from the rest of the songs. Mm -hmm. um, I would say that it it. You disagree. And that being said, it's like my favorite song on the album. <laughs> I, I freaking love it. I had that in my notes. I like that song. It's that was the that was the song that got me on that one. But it's a great it's a great song. And I really like the album, but it is like you listen and I knew it back then. I was like, this is single bait. Um which what like you can were, what if they were making it as a joke about single bait? Maybe. Bait. And I mean like you could be like, that's lame, and I don't think it is. Like I think it's a good idea. Um and so there's, um, so I worked for my dad's um, manufacturing company the summer that this came out. 
or I guess it came out and then in like the spring and then um, I worked that summer and I would listen to this all the time and the, I would listen to giving up the gun like on repeat and what this song is linked to is uh, there's this really really bad hailstorm in Belgrade um, and the manufacturing plant is a little bit like outside of the like the, the bounds of the city um, and then in the city and then in, in Bozeman there is this massive hailstorm that uh, like broke windows it like dented tons of people's vehicles like it was like massive like uh, baseball size hail and like that doesn't really happen here mm -hmm. um, and so no one was prepared for it like uh, we had uh, companies come down for like a year afterwards like fixing the damage um, and like there to like fix the vehicles and like the windows and the glass um, and you couldn't it wasn't happening where I was working but you could watch it from where I was and so that song is like permanently tied to like watching that storm and it's like it's um, like you know like when a, when a smell takes you back or it's like the, that song takes me back to that moment which is really cool mm. yeah and uh, horchata is awesome I really like that song uh, yeah it's like it's hardcore junior year of high school for me I really like the album I ordered the vinyl record when it came out. It came in the mail, and I was so stoked. Oh, should I talk about Aaron Sprinkle? Sure. Yeah, okay, so on Instagram, um, I posted a picture of Contra, and I, it was like, I was doing like a record a day challenge, like where you like post a, like somebody like makes up a, um, like a criteria that you post a picture of a record of. And they're like, uh, sophomore slump. And I was like, that seems a little harsh, but like, I just don't like, Contra nearly as much as self-titled and uh Aaron Sprinkle who's produced almost all of my favorite albums ever um who's worked with like Newfound Glory, Under Oath, The Lion K, like um One Republic like all these really great bands somehow found that picture that I posted and commented on the picture this is one of my favorite albums of all time and I just was like what? you win I'm so sorry. <laughs> and I just remember being like, why is Aaron Sprinkle commenting on my picture? Out of all the things that I wanted Aaron <laughs> Sprinkle to see on my page. Um, I think it's still on my Instagram page too, which is really, like, it's, I was mortified. I was like, dear God, no. <laughs> That's awesome. So Aaron Sprinkle, right into the pod. <laughs> my taste of music is terrible at gmail.com. <laughs> Um, number two Vampire Weekend album for me is Vampire Weekend, uh, self-titled. This freaking album is so good. And to be honest, I mean, if you've done your deduction at this point, you know what my number one is. Um, if I was looking at this list, never mind. If I was looking I'm at this... <laughs> If I was looking at this list objectively, in terms of like, <clears throat> you know, outside of my, like what I like the best, this would probably be number one um, because I, I do think it is their best album. It's just not my favorite one. Hmm. Um, I don't really understand that. You said objectively, it would be your favorite. Objectively, it would be number one on the list. Subjectively, it's not because oh, it's oh. not my favorite of theirs. I see, I see. Yeah. Sorry. Like I love Saving Private Ryan, and it's a better movie than Napoleon Dynamite. But I love Napoleon Dynamite more than Saving Private Ryan. Mm. 
Mm. Yeah. That's an Oscar bait movie, Saving Private Ryan. Okay. That's true. Napoleon Dynamite was not. <laughs> but <laughs> so good. So <laughs> good, been. though. Um, <laughs> that scene okay. where he's about to shoot the cow, no, and good. then the bus pulls up. That really happened <laughs> oh, to the yeah. director. Oh, really? That really yeah, happened. That, oh, that's my gosh. Amazing. It's so funny. I still love that movie. It's it so still good. holds up after it's all It's so years. good. Yeah. Um, just like Vampire Weekend's <laughs> first album. <laughs> I have a feeling, though, that people who are not our age, can, like specifically younger people, I bet if they watch that movie, they can be like... No, I think right. the opposite, because they're all into, like, starkness, I feel like, and, like... Awkwardness. Uh, yeah, yeah, awkward. Like, they're yeah. not into, like, vulgar really as much anymore. Because that was, like, the changing of the guard from, like, jackass and, like, Viva La right, Bam, like, right. crude to, like, awkward and settled. Yeah. Like, <laughs> everything that's changed what they are. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Um, Vampire Weekend. Self-titled <laughs> album. Um, not awkward. Yeah, yeah. That's your a, number two? It's my number two. It is amazing. As a debut album, it is unbelievable. Like, Hands down, it is so so good. Um, I'm a bassist. I cannot help but just adore the bass lines in this album. They are so creative and so so good. Um, what I really like about this album is that it very often does, like, it has so much irony in it in the sense that it's a very like carefree like upbeat preppy sounding album with a lot of lyrics that do not match that tone mm-hmm. um and i really like when bands do that um it's got some songs with some pretty dark lyrics like i like we mentioned before there's this motif of war throughout i think all of their albums but mm-hmm. especially this one um examples are like you mentioned joshua mansard roof um and, and even a punk um I don't think A-Punk's talking about war, but I think that they use a motif um, for that in uh, mm-hmm. as a metaphor. Um, and then they, they also just have this really, like, cheeky side with, like, the whole, like, writing a song about the Oxford comma and referencing Lil Jon in it. Like, yes, <laughs> I love that reference. Um, and that's something that I think Vampire Weekend does really well is they, they reference pop culture, like, of the time when their albums come out. And so, like, we see that on even Modern Vampires. They reference uh, Modest Mouse, which maybe wasn't really that relevant in 2013, but they did. So, apparently, it was it was somehow tied to one of their producers of that album. Mm-hmm. I don't right. know. I don't have a red string map to connect yeah. it all, but <laughs> it was somehow, right. like, yeah, the same sort of somehow yeah. worked on it. They reference Modest Mouse in, um, I think it's Step. How? Where they literally say, such, such a Modest Mouse is one of the mouse. lyrics. Oh, weird. Yeah. Feel it in my bones. Yep. Yeah. Mm. It's subtle. And that's from Montana. <laughs> I didn't know that. Um, yeah, I think that album is so good. I, and it's, it's so, like, like Josh mentioned, it's, it's 36 minutes long. It is super short. It is what it is. It knows what it is. And it is a full, complete, like, cohesive album. It doesn't need any more. It doesn't need any less. It's, it's flawless and it's um it's easy to listen to because it's 36 minutes long like i'll i'll listen to it once i'm like oh it's over like i guess i should listen to it again you know um and so literally what i did yeah earlier today i was working on something and i played the album and i was like it's over i just play it again (laughs) (laughs) um 
Yeah, it's it's so so good. Um, a punk, I think, is arguably the most iconic Vampire Weekend song. Um, anyone who's like, I don't know who that is, you could show them that song. They'd be like, Oh yeah, that song. Um, Except with me, when that didn't work. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, which I think is also a really good example of that irony I was talking about of a really sad song with a very happy, upbeat sound. Mm-hmm. Um, they talk about, I mean, the song's about like losing someone to cancer and it's about grief and they use this like metaphor of war when they say the lyric says look outside at the raincoats coming say oh like that lyric alone carries so much weight and yet it's this happy upbeat song um and so i i love that like irony of this like upbeat kind of like indie pop punk song almost um that is just really sad um, and then I, I won't go on too much longer about the album, but I, I do want to point out one thing, and this is just me being a nerd about the bass lines. Um, the song Brin is exactly the same bass line as A-Punk. It's just played a little bit differently, but it's what? all the same notes. Oh. Cool. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. But also Brin's in, I think, six, seven times. I don't know if you picked up on that. I think it's the only, the only song on the album that's in, or like seven, six. Six, I've eight. Six, eight. Yeah. I don't know. Honestly, it's been since <laughs> high school since I did music theory. But it's like the only like not standard time signature on the album that I could tell. I mean, if it was in six, seven time, that'd be really strange. I think, because it's like, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. That sounds terrible. I'm a bad singer. Please edit that out. Please. Oh, we don't edit. Please. No! I'm blushing. Oh, no. That was a terrible idea. I don't even know how I uh, well, six. Anyways, I'm sorry. I, I just I, honestly I just tried to throw out something with a bunch of musicians. I think it's in three four. So. Oh. Um, okay. Let's, let's, which is let's six eight. Eight. Which is which is which essentially is six eight. Most of the songs are in four four. Um, but it's like one two three one two hmm. three. Da 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 da. Okay. Yeah, maybe that's the six I was thinking. Or basses. Three, four is the same thing. Yeah, as I mean, I used to really be into this stuff, though, sadly. I used to be able to keep chops, but I can't. Depend. You're right, though. Three, four, and six, eight are the same thing. But, yeah, it, yeah but it, there's something different about that song that makes yeah. it stand out in, mm-hmm. that, in that specific right. way. And that's what's Time. interesting about it, too, is that it's all the exact same notes and everything as the bass line to A-Punk. Huh. It's just in a different time signature, and it's played a little differently. It's almost played like chords. Like, they, you, they hit two notes, like one right after the other and let them ring together. Um, and it's it's a really cool, mm. interesting bass line. So I, <laughs> I was nerding out on it because I was sitting in my office holding my bass when I was listening to it. And I was like, wait a second. So <laughs> 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 anyway, yeah, that's my number two album. Well, my number two album is Modern Vampires of the City. So you can get where I'm going with number one if you've been paying attention. Um... This one just feels more accessible than all their other albums. I think, and I'm sure it was meant to be that way to some extent. And No Unbelievers is one of their, definitely one of their top radio hits um, of all time. I'm not sure if it's the top one. It's not on Spotify. A-Punk, I think, is. But, um, like I said, I heard Unbelievers first, so this is kind of what I associated Vampire Weekend with. Um, I thought, again... It was slightly more boring than their self-titled album, which is why it's number two. Um, and I think I like 
their self-titled album better. Not to get too much into that because I'll talk about it, but just because I've been more into weird arrangements and songs lately. Um, so something a little more straightforward, like Modern Vampires, isn't really what I'm into right now. It could be in what I'm into at some point later, and it's not a bad album at all. Um, but again, I could listen to both of them and maybe flip-flop. So, yeah, we'll see. I love the Love Step intro. Um, I, I do like Unbelievers after listening to it, again, because I didn't like it after a while because it was always on the radio <laughs> and always playing. Um, but it was, again, like five years since I listened to them. Mm. And um, I don't really have a whole lot more to say about it, I guess. I'll leave that to you guys who have really dove in the bands and known them for a while. Um, but this one feels like I'm working in a coffee shop and staring out the window while it's raining, but then it gets sunny hmm. later. Hmm. I'm so surprised that wasn't put in a church or cathedral for some reason. Hmm. Like, because of all the religious choirs and the context and stuff. Yeah. yeah. I mean... But I, I guess kind of rainy day could have that same vibe. Yeah, it just felt like the whole rainy day thing to me. And... I don't know if I picked up on as much of the whole religious mm. overtones of the album when I listened to it. Because mm -hmm. um, in general, when I'm listening to albums, and this is just me, I don't really pay attention to lyrics that much. Also, their lyrics are hard to understand. Right. So I Very hard to understand. I didn't really quite get where they were going with a lot of them. Yeah. And my whole thing tends to be like vocal melody and instrumentation. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't really pay attention to lyrics that much, but I want to. So I'm definitely going to re-listen to it. Mm -hmm. No love tip this round. Well, that's coming Next after. Next one. Okay. Gosh, yes. Okay. I have one more love tip for everybody. Okay. Coming soon. Just, I'm eager for it. You know, I need all the help yeah. I can get these days. So, you know. Uh, so, surprisingly, shocking, my number two is self-titled, which if you've been paying attention, that means I think I'm the only one that has Contra as my number one. Yeesh. Which I will get to later. But anyways, um, wait, what? We'll get to it. We'll get to it. We'll get oh, to it. Oh, <laughs> okay. Well, anyway. I'm, I'm not right? Josh is giving away secrets. We'll get to it. We'll at edit this that point, out. yeah. Yeah, no, we so, will. We'll totally edit that out. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, this, this was my introduction to them, so it was hard to pick it as two. Um, I love that I tie it so heavily to my formative years in college, and they're singing a lot about college, often in an, an ironic sort of way. But, um, and they've been criticized heavily, if you're not familiar with them, but they've been criticized as being very, like, you know, pretentious from Cambridge, singing right. about all the, these, like, really hard topics to follow. Um, so, like, that's part of it that I, I guess we should bring up, but um, they've also, I think, really successfully defended that, and, like, all of them took out student loans to go to school, like... None of them really came from rich families, apparently. Right. So, anyways, they're just sort of singing about what they're witnessing. I'm from the East Coast, so a lot of those imagery, like, I can relate to a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, so that that first album, a lot of just, like, the lyrics, they're so catchy, they're so poppy. It was the first time I ever was exposed to, um, they're called, like, chamber music or chamber, right. chamber indie. Chamber pop. Yeah. Cham chamber pop. Like, it literally blew my mind that there's, like, Freaking A-Punk has flutes in it, and I, I played flute, like, all through high school, and I'm like, this is, like, a punk song with flutes in it, and then there's, like, other ones with, like, Afrocentric beats, 
and like it just really I, my brain could not compute with like what I was it was unlike any other music I'd heard before mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I have really positive memories like I said of college and and being kind of young and carefree and not really knowing who I was and like sunlit afternoons like on a lawn like I just totally relate to that um, first band I ever listened to with harpsichord just want to shout right. out the harpsichord. Yeah. <laughs> also in modern vamp- modern vampires of the city, lots of harpsichord. Um, that's so unique to me. Um, I think Cape Cod Quasa Quasa is amazing. One of my favorite songs by them. Um, it's to me, it seems like it's a coming of age, like maybe your first sexual experience. You're kind of awkward, um, and then it has these like Afrocentric beats, which are just so strange. Um, like very preppy, this like preppy girl that grew up on like Cape Cod and then like African beats. It was just so strange to me, but I mm-hmm. loved it. Also, the video is amazing. Did anybody watch it when I recommended it? No, not yet. No, I've Dude, it it's yet. okay. It was like I've, last minute. I've seen it before. I somehow missed it, but yeah. it's really funny. If you haven't, you have to watch it if you haven't seen it. Um, M seventy nine is another great one. Campus, Bryn, Oxford comma, like. I just felt like every single song, there's not one on that album that I dislike. I could I could expand on all of them, and I love them all differently so strongly. So that's my number two. Pretty close with Modern Vampires, but... I forgot to mention a fun fact about that. Go Oxford Comma is the song where they reference Lil Jon. This was their debut album. And Lil Jon, as a thank you to them, like referencing him in their song, sent them a case of his crunk juice. No way. Yeah. I did not know that. I've never heard that. Yeah. That was fun. Huh. Oh, gosh. What is crunk juice? Shall we get some? <sighs> I For don't the know. Next, the next, epi- I, next podcast? I think they discontinued it. <laughs> I don't think it exists anymore. <laughs> I'm sure it's some sort of liquor, but... He, okay, so he was on The Apprentice, Lil John, and he was so good. He was, like, one of the smartest people. Like, you don't think, like, oh, a rapper... Like, he was a really smart guy. Huh. I'm pretty sure he toured with like Green Day in like uh, 2019. Was that him or was Lil, Lil Wayne? Lil Wayne with Blink 182. Oh yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. Mm-hmm. And then he got mad. He got mad. Yeah, I had left. Yeah, my ex was there at that time and was like at that concert. Anyways, <laughs> wrong, totally wrong reference. Completely. But. <laughs> All right, my number two uh, was also self-titled. Uh, I but I I really liked this album. It's I this one has the most songs that kind of get stuck in my head I think um, like uh, one or like's got a new face uh, has been stuck in my head pretty much all day long <laughs> <laughs> it also is like really unique the the sounds that they use and and the instrumentation in that song um, Oxford comma cracked me up this is the first time because I, I the first album I listened to was Father of the Bride and then I I can't remember what the second album I listened to was but then Oxford Comma was like what the heck? like the first line on their first album <laughs> yeah. yeah and it just like threw me off guard but then I was like this is funny and there's one line in there uh, where he says I uh, oh, oh, he asks why would you lie about something like that uh, uh, why would you lie about how much coal you yeah have? yeah why would you lie about something dumb like that yeah exactly and it and it's because you could say you could say something like I have a hundred pounds of uh, gold and I have a hundred pounds of gold fifty pounds of steel and lead or, or steel and coal 
And if you don't use a comma, then it could uh, the comma would be would mean you have fifty pounds of steel and fifty pounds of uh, coal. But if you just get rid of the comma, then it's fifty pounds of both. Mm. But it sounds like you might have had fifty pounds of each. Right. And, it, and but, yeah, he's <laughs> so that's exactly what he's saying. He's like. He's like, why would you lie about something stupid like See, this? See, to me, to me, just to interject, I always thought that song was like about a pretentious, young money, or what? What's it called? Like when you like earn, you trust fund kids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Well, it and is. So it like, is kind of about like a girl who is who is uh, kind of. It, she's pretending to be more than she is because of her her upbringing wealth, or, yeah. or her wealth and 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 so like making up. Well, yeah, we have this and we have that or whatever. And but it could go we, both yeah, ways. Yeah, why would you cool. why would you lie about something like that? That's dumb. Yeah, <laughs> I've never thought about it that other way. Uh, I feel like I thought I thought that that was really fun. Um, one of the things that struck uh, well, so I read a little bit of the history of this band. They toured. Uh, and I'm not really sure exactly how they got discovered as an indie band, but they toured for like two years before even introduced, before giving out this album. Oh, I can speak to that. They played at um, like local venues and they played at a ton of college events. Okay. And like that, college that parties. That show. makes sense. Okay. And they did release, they did release two, uh, mm, one EP and one single, I think, before the album. Yeah, but the this was like their their first album, but their first album. Uh, one of the reasons that they were able to self produce and self distribute and all of these things is because they had this huge following mm-hmm. that they had come up with, and they. But but what was crazy about it to me was you, you don't find bands that really that have that get this popular and this successful that started out just you know they they didn't even have an album out for like two years of touring and people all across at least the eastern seaboard but even into the uk knew who they were and knew their songs but they didn't have any albums out (laughs) and i just thought that was really neat um Mm -hmm. but yeah they they also credit some of that to like myspace and that whole like Mm -hmm. you know virtual music sharing that was yeah that's that's really neat yeah um they the other thing that I noticed about this, besides the, as soon as I started hearing this album, because like I said, I heard Father of the Bride, and then I heard this album, it was like, there's lots of weird sounds, and uh, some weird instrumentation, and so that's when I was like, okay, I gotta look them up and find out more about them, so that's when I found out about the, the world music influences, and the, the, that they were trying to bring in with this, specifically that, uh, um, why, I, if you want to call it Batman. But what, <laughs> uh, Rossum, what he had kind of brought into it. Um, well, it's right here in front of me. Uh, <laughs> but uh, the other thing I was thinking about when I was listening to the, the that I thought about throughout all of their discography, but I t- first thought about it with this album was if I were to sit down and with a guitar, uh, and I play acoustic, but if I were to sit down with an electric and pick a tone. Uh, whether it was on a bait, uh, on an amp, or if I had a set of pedals or whatever, but if I was going to pick a tone that I wanted to play with, it would not be this tone. <laughs> For one, this tone reminds me like the first thing it reminds me of is the Beatles. Mm. This this tone is very similar to that kind of style and that kind of playing. But then, as you whereas the way that the Beatles play guitar and other uh, other artists of that time period play guitar it's very simple 
um, very, very elementary. And, but this stuff is incredibly complex. Mm -hmm. Not only is it like, at first I was like, oh, he's just playing really fast. But, and he is, Ezra plays extremely quick in pretty much all of these, mm -hmm. but it's, it's, uh, it, it's very complex stuff that he's doing up and down and, and, uh, picking and, and, uh, and then the other thing is like, at least when he's uh, some, I'm sure that he plays a guitar track and then, you know, sings for the recording of it, but he was doing all this and, and singing at the same time, playing mm -hmm. those very complex. At concerts he is. Yeah, well, that's I what I'm, no, I'm, I'm saying. I can't oh. believe that. Like, yeah. that's an, yeah. it's yeah. it's yeah. crazy. I it's mm -hmm. uh, so I just I and that was where I said earlier where I have a lot of respect for indie artists and what they come up with. Yeah, and that's that's where I am on it. If I had sat down and to pick a tone that I was gonna play with or whatever, it wouldn't be anything like this. And it has to do with my influences and stuff. But I, mm -hmm. I in even in the last. 20 years you're not going to find very many bands especially mainstream that got mainstream anyway but uh you know, popular bands that have a, a tone at all like that mm -hmm. um so i just thought that was interesting especially with today's music culture where it's like we find one thing that works and everybody uses it uh especially when you get into pop um, mm -hmm. but yeah. you, you find, but even, even in metal, even, and it's not as bad, but, uh, you, you find, uh, and country is another one that's like that, but you, you find, they find one thing that works and then everybody uses it. Mm -hmm. And it's like, these guys sat down and went, I like this tone. I'm just going to use it, <laughs> you know? And I just, I thought that was neat. So, yeah. uh, that's self-titled. Well said. Love tips. I have one more. All right. Um, so obviously, if you want to be in a relationship, step one is just finding somebody. Okay. So, right? Duh. Okay. We all know this. Right? TK is like, obviously, been there, done that. Okay, cool. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> all right. Um, so okay. <laughs> that one's supposed to be the funny part, but I'll take it. Um, anyway, so you, I do. I feel understood. I feel met on my level. Yeah. Um, so you have somebody, girl or guy, whatever, um, and they walk into the house. All right, and there's something different about them, like in, in the face, head, hair region, okay? Right, so, but you can't really place what it is. There's a couple that are wearing a balaclava. <laughs> they could be, but they could be psychotic, which could be a problem. <laughs> <laughs> you, you would spit up your horchata. <laughs> yes, through the balaclava, which would create a mess. That would be a giant mess. mess. That would be a nasty. horrible, giant, nasty mess. So hopefully they aren't wearing a balaclava. If they are, it's over. I'm sorry. <laughs> but <laughs> you have a couple options if they walk in and you notice something different. Number one is just being like, hey, you look nice. That's always like a good thing to say as long as you, you know, as long as you think it. I mean. And you sound genuine. Right. And you sound genuine. Mm -hmm. Right. That's always a good mm -hmm. thing to say. Right. 
or the married men are nodding right now. Yeah, the married men are like, okay, mm-hmm. yep, okay, yep, sure, I know that. Yep, 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 I've been in trouble before. Yep, yep, I've learned, <laughs> yep. <laughs> I've learned my lesson. <laughs> but the one thing you don't want to do is be like, hey, you got a new face. <laughs> like the song. Like the song. Face got a face. Yep. Mm-hmm. Because that's too general. Mm. And they, they're just like, no effort. Yeah. Like they, yeah. And then, and then they leave, and then they go up to somebody on the street, and they're like, hey, you belong with me. Mm. And that, that's that person. Oh. Ooh. I see. Do you know what that song means? What is it? They're talking about, like, a favorite restaurant or breakfast place specifically. And mm. the face of a restaurant is the wait staff. And so basically, Blake's got a new face. Is there this restaurant Blake got a new waitress? I and will say I don't think you can say definitively with Vampire Weekend anything. That's true. This is the I have read other things. I saw, but yeah. but the the uh, one of the things that they pointed at is like he he says this this English breakfast tastes like Darjeeling, but <clears throat> you're you were too cute, so I didn't want to say anything or something like that. Mm-hmm. And like you morning. gave me the wrong tea. But I wasn't going to say anything because you're cute. <laughs> anyway. And that's also a good tip. Don't say anything if they're cute. Right. Just take the drink. <laughs> I always accept drinks regardless of if you know what it is from someone who's cute. Mm-hmm. Got it. Yes. All right. I don't know what I don't to be said. This is how I keep yeah. losing kidneys. <laughs> Okay. So how many how many kidneys have you lost, TK? <laughs> Just a few. <laughs> Three, four. Um Okay. My number one vampire weekend album is um self-titled. I was trying to think of a Twilight joke, but my brain was mostly my brain was like reaching no and I was yeah. like We've done enough Twilight. I think we're done with the Twilight. Has has anyone here seen Twilight? No. Yes. I have seen Twilight. I haven't read it. The only girl in the room said no, and all the other guys. Most of the guys said yes. I just want to point that out. Yep. What are you implying? I don't know. I think people often write it off as like a girly thing, but mm. obviously men also can enjoy it. It really struck a chord. I, did, I never said I enjoyed it, <laughs> yeah, for the record. Okay. And I will say... They love it. They have tattoos I, of it. I saw it in the theater in Wenatchee, Washington mm-hmm. when I was in high school mm-hmm. and I only went because my girlfriend wanted to go see okay. it. So that's why Great. I saw them in the theater. But I'm not saying it's a girl movie. But I did read them on my own accord. So well, see, there you take go. that as you will. Well, were they better than the movies? Yeah, everything's better than the movies. Mm, that's probably that's, what it is. Yeah. Anyway, sorry to derail. Let's hear your spiel. Okay. Um, I love the Baroque influences in the harpist chord. Uh, so in, I did a music appreciation class in high school, and we went through like all the eras of classical music, and we had to bring in like our, it was like a bunch of like stoners in that class. So they like put forth no effort, but I was like the nerd, and like they did uh, they're they're like they tried to show off like um, modern music that incorporated that different like um, era of classical music, cool. and I was so excited to bring because I they had a record player and I brought in my my vinyl record of self titled. I was so excited to play it because um, I think the harpist chord is in. So there, there's two bands in the same year in the alternative scene 
that used harpsichord. And I'll talk about the other Hold one just a little bit. It's harpsichord. Guys, okay. I just wanted to clarify. <laughs> Whatever. If you'd listen and then you'd be mad we didn't tell you. Yeah. Like broccoli in your teeth. I think um, mm-hmm. uh, Ezra Koenig is a great guitar player. The <laughs> <laughs> guitar. 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 Okay, whatever. Like, no, no one other Nobody than you guys would have caught that. Okay. You know what I mean? Fair. That's fair. But thank you so much for telling me. I really appreciate you guys. You guys are great friends. Love you very much. Um, Get out. I, there's a Day Trotter. So Day Trotter's like a studio where they like, they record live sessions and they put them out for free. And they play all these songs from that era and they crush it. And there's like, they use the actual instrument and they're so good. Hmm. And um, I think like, he he's one of my favorite guitar players of all time. Like the way his arrangements, how complex they are, how accurate they are. Um, and I, I just, I think he's like, like what Tom DeLonge was to pop punk Ezra is to indie rock. With that reference to how clean they are, that's that is a very uh, interesting thing to say because uh, you, with that tone and that sound on the guitar, you cannot hide mistakes. Nope. You can't. Nope. Nope. It you it'll. I mean, any little mistake will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just yep. yeah. So yeah, that's very yeah. interesting. And just especially with how fast he plays and the timing of everything. Yeah. And it, it's, it's so, it's, cause it's not pop punk and it's like, it's bare, like I, I, it's indie rock, like generally, but like it's, it's, it has like some, I don't think it's like, uh, I mean like genre aside, I, I think like all the references to like the, you know, East, East coast, like, cause like I've lived in Montana my whole life. Like I, I don't understand basically any of the references. But, like, I never saw it as, like, them being studio. Like, I always felt like they were kind of writing from, like, a, an outsider's perspective. Mm-hmm. And and I always, like, was really refreshed by that. This on campus, can I tell you guys, like, a, maybe a love tip-esque story? Mm-hmm. 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 So, okay, when I... Oh, wow. Isn't Don't Be Sleeping While Your Crush Is Walking Across the Campus? No. You should be walking Ooh. with them. So, campus is another, like, giving up the gun is, like, another, like time warp song because mm-hmm. the year that it came out um my sister was really into campus and she turned me on to basically like steven's untitled rock show my sister got me into vampire weekend and i listened to that song and in 2008 december 28th 2008 i only know the date because like it was on a cup in my parents house <laughs> and uh it was that day um i went to this wedding for one of my friends um and he on his side of the family he had a bunch of family from England and I'm at this wedding I don't know anybody I'm like one of the only teenagers there and I'm so bored and I'm just kind of sitting there chilling and the mother of the groom grabbed me and was like you need to like come meet my niece and I was kind of like okay and she pulls me over to this uh like uh like angel of a human being she's got like beautiful red hair she's like girl I've ever seen <laughs> and she pulls me over there to like talk to her and I'm like Ugh! <laughs> cannot make language and I just for like three hours just was like like struggling to like communicate like the, uh, I, I was it was like peak awkwardness um, for somebody that's already very awkward and um, I listen to campus and it brings me back to the memories of like hanging out with that person it's cool because we're actually like still friends today 
Shout um, her out. Let's hear her name. Yeah, Emma. What's up, Anna? You yeah. Emma. <laughs> right, right, right into the pod. I was trying to say, um, you hot. You're a hottie. She is. She's really cool. She's a, a marine biologist. Um, is one of the smartest people I've ever met. And it's really cool. And we're still friends today. Um, but yeah, I just remember like being at that wedding and being like, holy crap. Like, ugh. <laughs> I don't deserve to talk to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's like what Vampire Weekend, like that album really reminds me of is like that encounter. Because it was like the first time I met somebody from a different country. Like we, we like, basically we talked about Coldplay and we knew about Coldplay together. And then like past that, it was kind of like, we have no frame of reference for like, <laughs> for like uh, continuity between us. Can I go to my chart? Absolutely. I'm going to make it really quick though. Okay. Okay. So we're going to turn the mic. We're going to turn the mic. So I, I, if the listener at home, this is so unimportant. I just want to make a case for why Vampire Weekend was so somebody that, you know, grew up listening to Reliant K in pop punk in Blink-182, why I latched onto Vampire Weekend so easily. Um, I want to talk about, first of all, there's kind of like the, the, the five horsemen of like early 2000s emo. So we got Bright Eyes, Motion City Soundtrack, Taking Back Sunday, Jimmy Eat World, Dashboard Confessional. Okay, in the years 2006 and 2007, they released albums that would arguably be, you know, like fan favorites, really strong additions to the, the, the catalog for each of those artists. Casadega, Even If It Kills Me, Louder Now, Chase's Light, um, Shade of Poison Trees. Um, each of these artists took... Um, in between four and a two-year gap, okay? So all of these albums, except for Louder Now, came out in 2007. Louder Now came out in 2006. Uh, this album right here is called The People's Key, I think. My Dinosaur Life, new again, invented. <laughs> I don't even care. I like... <laughs> These are, these are albums that are not well-received and do not sit in a place of prominence within that artist's discography. These are very well-received. And there is a chasm, okay, of several years between these, these, these bands. And these are not just, like, you know, like, bands that are big on the Warped Tour scene. These are, like, Taking Back Sunday has songs in Marvel movies. Jimmy World is huge. Dashboard Confessional also has, um, you know, like, top... On VH1, they like won number one. You know, like they're they're big deals. Um, that being said, this here, and then um, this chasm here between each of these releases, there's really only one emo band that's doing well in the scene that is still like making good music and not saying anything. Okay, so in between this space, we draw our line to Vampire Weekend. Okay, so Vampire Weekend releases self-titled 2008. Um, it was something that was so wildly different from anything else that was going on. So, of course, Steven's Untitled Rock Show on Fuse gets this, you know, A-punk. There's freaking flutes in it. It's amazing. It's indie rock. It's like hyperactive block party or like ar- Arctic Monkeys, like it, the killers, but faster. Like, a, you know, it's so different from anything that was going on. And so that's why, like, the energy in, in, in the composition... Um, how unique it sounds. Then you look at how crappy these albums are. It's just like, of course the scene was going to die. 
So emo basically passed the torch to indie rock, okay? And around that time, the Warped Tour scene, because like the Warped Tour scene basically was like the kind of tastemakers for like what was happening in the emo and the pop punk world. It shifts to like neon and crunk core and metalcore because we have bands like Cobra Starship mm -hmm. and Metro Station, like bands that you laugh at that are kind of jokes, Black Veil Brides, um, and then two bands that I actually really like, Family Force 5 and Devil Wears Prada. So the, that kind of becomes like what's big in the Warped Tour scene. Um, again, wildly different from Vampire Weekend. So what happens is emo is primarily heartfelt and authentic. Okay, so that's that's the main premise of emo music. This here, which is the new scene in Warped Tour, is is basically a very image obsessed and gimmicky. Okay, like whole cans are great, but I'm not like judging a band on how good their whole cans are. Um, if a band looks like that, I probably won't like them. <laughs> um, so what happens again, and this is in 2008, there's two bands that set up Vampire Weekend to just knock it out of the park. Death Cab for Cutie and Panic at the Disco. And I can't believe I'm saying Panic at the Disco. Um, <laughs> right? Because Panic at the Disco, they go folk, which is the gutsiest move any sophomore album could have ever pulled. Ever. And then Death Cab for Cutie basically leans into indie. Okay? So, and it, it takes alternative music, indie rock, folk music, it makes it heartfelt and authentic again. Which then turns the spotlight back to indie rock. Um, and around that time, that's when Vampire Weekend starts to blow up. They get spots on Stevens and Tyler Rock, which is, again is like a big um, like news outlet for alternative music. Um, other similar bands, Two Door Cinema, uh, Cinema Club, Wombats, Tokyo Police Club. Uh, and this right here is an American flag. You wouldn't even know it, but there's a lot of lines coming from it. Okay? So they basically dominate the scene, which is interesting because emo is a subgenre of hardcore, hardcore is a subgenre of punk. Punk began in the UK. Technically, indie is a subgenre of punk as well. So, just let that settle. Okay, but what's very interesting about this is the scene changes and it starts to become like varied as far as like the origins of it. Um, like Tourist Cinema Club is from Ireland. Um, Wombats are from England. Uh, Tokyo Police Club is from Canada. So there, there's, there's a, it, it changes globally. Um, and then you have these heavy hitters that are, are located in different countries. Then, my argument is that emo set up indie to succeed, which set up emo to succeed, which then set up indies to succeed. So, here's the deal. Indie rock and emo are incredible genres. They're important genres. They do set um, like a cultural precedent for what is going on in culture and music. I would even argue that like without My Chemical Romance and like what they wrote songs about, there wouldn't be as big of a, a pull for our culture and our society for like mental health because emo music was the first thing that really drew attention to like problems about depression, mm. right? Yeah. So like it's a, it's a big deal. Um, anyways, okay, um, from this, I then stumbled upon this wave of bands, Manchester Orchestra, 
Big problems, try and grab it. Someone still love you for Shelton. Okay, so this generation of music is like my go-to. Like that's what I've kind of stuck with, like Into It Over It, You Blew It, American Football, Jeff Rosenstock, Kevin Devine, Antarctica Vespucci, Front Bottoms, Bad Books. So that's kind of what I stick to. So Someone Still Loves You, Boris Shelton, is, is on Polyvinyl Records, which put out, excuse me, American Football, okay? So American Football is like the emo band. Frightened Rabbit toured with Intuit Over It. <laughs> they let Intuit Over It be a supporting band on one of their tours, which is huge. Intuit Over It, Evan Weiss is the Kurt Cobain of Midwest emo. So like what he is um, for that genre is like equivalent to Kurt Cobain. Okay, then to fake problems, um, they are, uh, they have like ties to Jeff Rosenstock, who was in a ska band called Bomb the Music Industry, um, and then he's also like a solo artist as, as well as Chris Perrin from Fake Problems. They do a lot like in the emo world, um, and then Manchester Orchestra starts Bad Books. So Bad Books is literally Manchester Orchestra plus Kevin Devine, who was a contemporary along with Jimmy World. Uh, Emotion City soundtrack and Bright Eyes, um, and Bad Books is like in a like a huge band. Like they're very very popular. They have a following, um, and they also support the Front Bottoms on a tour. Okay, all of that to say, Front Bottoms gets bigger and bigger and bigger and more relevant. Like in culture, they hop on Fueled by Ramen Records, which also had Fall Out Boy, Paramore, Gym Class Heroes. Um, I, they were started by Less Than Jake, which was a ska band. Makes no sense. <laughs> was Panic at the Disco on Fueled by Panic, Ramen? And Panic at the Disco. Yeah. So basically, any, any band that is like, has prominence within like, the Warped Tour scene in the early 2000s was Fueled by Ramen. Okay, now they're known as the, the record label where bands go to die. Oh no. Um, so, but they also put out Young the Giant. They put out Fun. Um, so Fueled by Ramen then grabs the Front Bottoms, which is a huge Midwest emo band, okay? That same year, or I guess a few years later, they pick up um, Dashboard Confessional, which is a big deal, okay? And here's where it goes back to indie, because then Fueled by Ramen picks up Floor, which um, is like indie, dream poppy, it's basically like music that like if you turn on TikTok, and there's a TikTok dance going, like you wouldn't be surprised if like Floor was playing underneath that, which is like, I guess a thing now. Um, and then you also have bands like Valley, Joan, Honey, and Kids that are like r rising up and they're taking indie rock music and they're pairing it really well with pop. Um, and even like some kind of like, like, like um, I wouldn't say like folk is really not something that is being like, like, um, marketed and, and changed and, and, and like, you know, pushed out. Um, I suck at talking right now. Um, okay. But, uh, it's more like pop kind of hip hoppy influences being worked in there. Um, and so then again, like you, you see all of these different connections. And the coolest thing is, is seeing how like location and record labels and even eras and like, this looks like a headache, but it makes sense to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you really see how like the, the basically genres almost, they like parallel each other and they coexist, 
and really the spotlight of relevant, like relevant spotlight just kind of changes and shifts. It just highlights different things at different times. And, and relevant genres exist outside of the cultural relevance of, of like, of like what's hot, like good bands are going to be playing. And for example, we talk about like an emo revival. Okay. So like Intuit Over It, Algernon Cadwaddler, um, all these bands that are like considered to be the bands that like revived emo, but Snowing was playing that whole time too. Motion City Soundtrack was putting out albums all of like the 2000s. Um, so it's not like it was like the only thing that happened, but um, yeah, this is just kind of a, a fun deep dive to go into. Um, tying it back again to Vampire Weekend, you do see how um, something that is, is, is different and exciting and, and musically interesting that has new life could come in and basically wreck the whole system. Um, and it's pretty cool to see like international influences be thrown in there. Bands that are, are leading the movement be from all different countries is, is like a pretty cool thing um, and, and pretty rare. Paramore, My Chemical Romance, Panic of the Disco, Fall Boy, all from America. That's kind of boring. So to see a, a, like an entire genre of music be, um, uh, I guess, like pioneered and pushed out like by several different cultures is, I think, a really inspiring thing. So, you're number one now, or was that? That was impressive. Um, it was very impressive. Thank you for the time and energy that went into that. Really? <laughs> Thank That's you. That's a whole Seriously. different episode, probably. That is. I hope that was, that was coherent. Like, yeah. For those of you who listen really... to our podcast, you're going to have to check the video of that out on our new Instagram page. Yeah, <laughs> it's only 12 minutes long. So I, I, I think it might have to be multiple posts. <laughs> Instagram TV. Instagram TV. But it's IGTV. Yeah. Um, and, then, and then you can see what Tanner looks like. What TK looks like. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My eyes are wide. Post the picture of him in the lab coat. Yeah. 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 Um, I, oh, wow. That's the nicest thing I've ever said about Panic at the Disco. It's true. I feel like you would like them, no? I, I can I attest. No, no, he does not like them. Okay, I don't either, so I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, I kind of like Panic at the Disco. I like some of their stuff. I like Brendan Urie. He's incredible. He is a phenomenal vocalist. Is that the lead singer? Mm-hmm. Yes. yes. I admit he is very talented, just in the same way I admit Pink is very talented, but I don't like her music. Mm. I, I, but like, also, let's not compare the two. <laughs> I mean, you can somebody can be talented, but you cannot right. appreciate no, their composition. No, yeah. well, that's fair. Vibes. I think there's a few Panic at the Disco songs I like, um, but I wouldn't call myself a fan. But Brandon Yuri, I'm a fan of him because he is a phenomenal vocalist, and I would be able to sing like him. Write <laughs> into the podcast, Brandon Yuri. Brandon Yuri, please write into the podcast at <laughs> my taste and music is terrible at gmail.com. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know you're listening. <laughs> Tell us your secrets. <laughs> uh, wow, I'm. Sh- I don't even know how to follow that up, so I'm just gonna, just gonna go into it. Um, my number one Vampire Weekend album is Modern Vampires of the City. Um, we've talked about this already, but as Rakanik refers to this album as very much the end of a trilogy. Um, that's his exact quote. It's very much the end of a trilogy. 
which like we said makes sense when taking into account the different sound style and album art and everything of their fourth album father of the bride um i love this album so much it is i mean i've been listening to this album for eight years like it's i i just love it it's it's darker than their previous albums in both its lyrics and its sound um it's i would say it's more organic um and like i think what jonathan said it's a little bit easier to um or more accessible, more accessible yeah. i think i think yeah the word i would use is more organic just because it's a little bit less like we're doing something really weird and like different um and i don't think that it's not different but i think that it's a little bit like you said more accessible and a little more organic um and it explores things like death and God and the afterlife. And um, it sounds to me like an album written by someone who has been hurt by religion and is exploring that. Um, which Ali touched on already as well. Um, I will say this. It is the first Vampire Weekend album to earn a Grammy. Um, and I found out this week it's on the Rolling Stones list of 500 greatest albums of all time at number 328. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think taking into account like what we've all said about the album so far, um, it's clearly much darker, and that's something that I really appreciate. I, when it comes to media and content, um, I don't know what it is about it, but I very much enjoy and can appreciate the very dark side of that art form, um, whether it's music or film or um, video games or whatever. Um, I just think it's really interesting to explore those feelings and concepts. Um, <clears throat> so a few notes I have here are one about unbelievers. To me, this song is all about, um, I mean, we talked about like, we talked about the song a bit already. Um, I think of, this song almost from the perspective of someone who has been written off by the church um, for whatever reason um, with lyrics like what holy water contains a little drop, little drop for me. Um, like Josh talked about before, we know the fire awaits unbelievers. All of the sinners the same girl, you and I will die unbelievers bound to the tracks of the train. Um, Such a good line. It's, mm -hmm. It's, yeah, this whole album, I don't think there's a single lyric in this album that doesn't have... That doesn't um, land. Like, that doesn't land. It yeah. doesn't have some kind of a deep meaning in mm -hmm. relationship to, like, Ezra's relationship with the church and with religion and with God. Um, and for me, it just, it's, it's so... Because it's so... It's such a vulnerable album in that way, and it's so deep and personal... Um, I think that's why I really connect with it. Um, Ali already brought this up, but Diane Young is just an amazing like play on words, and um, you know, obviously, is talking about dying young. Um, songs like "Everlasting Arms" and "Worship You" explore the idea of of God and like his, like God's motivations. I think, and um, like Ali talked about, like there's the lyric that says, um, um, it talks about how we were we were born to live without you is what the lyric says. Um, and then goes to the chorus where it says, hold me in your everlasting arms. Um, which I think is really interesting. And it, it, it highlights this, like we're born into this world where 
God created us, God created this world, and yet we can't physically be with him. Um, and uh, the song Worship You, I think, explores a little bit of, like, God's, like, vengeful side and, like, his vengeful justice and talks about his red right hand, which is a reference to um, John Milton's poem, Paradise Lost. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, like, uh, going, like, moving along in the album even to, to Yahweh, um, which Ali already talked about, is a take on Yahweh, um, which in, in Jewish culture... Um, you aren't supposed to write the name of Yahweh because uh, written text can be um, can be like you know uh, violated and destroyed and um, tainted, and so um, in in keeping with Jewish tradition, this play on words for Yahweh instead of actually writing out the name, um, I think is really interesting given Ezra's background. Um, I already talked about you know the the Latin uh, Dio to God and this. This song is, is this letter to God of, like, exploring this whole, this whole idea of, one, like, you so love this world that, like, so much of it doesn't love you back. Um, he, I, I think, in that song is referring to himself as this broken machine with dust on the screen and um, has made some mistakes, but he lets it go. Um, and is exploring this idea of wrestling with his faith, I think, ultimately, in that song. Um, and that's probably my favorite song on the album, I think. Worship, um, worship you? Yeah, hey. Oh, yeah. Um, and, yeah, I, I just... I, and lastly, I want to touch on, um, surprisingly, one that no one else who's mentioned the album yet has talked about is Hudson, um, which is the second-to-last song. Allie's giving me a thumbs down. Um, <laughs> my wife hates that I want to hear it. Actually. I want to hear why you like it. I At think, least favorite on the on the album. I can understand that, and like so, Claire also does not like that song. Whenever I listen to that album, she's like, "Why are we listening to this song?" <laughs> like, um, I think it's very intentionally right before the song "Young Lion" um, mm. for one, because those are very contrasting songs. Mm. Um, I think Hudson is the clearest exploration of death and the afterlife in both the lyrics of the song and the tone and the way that it sounds. It's the most haunting sounding, dark, gothic sounding song on the album which we've already talked about as a theme for this album. And I think it kind of wraps up that theme for the album um, with just leaning really heavily into that before ending with this light, albeit slightly out of tune, Young Lion. Um, and uh, it's this booming, almost overwhelmingly dark and gothic sound that pairs really well with the lyrics that explore the ideas of afterlife some type of purgatory referencing some men lingering and some making haste from Babylon um, and talking about uh, the, the, the first established real estate, like the legendary wooden gates. And um, um, what is the lyric where he says, a strange, he says, a stranger walked in through the door, said all apartments are pre-war. Um, we laughed and sat together. And I think that's talking about death. Um, and yeah, I think that that album is just a really earnest, vulnerable, personal, and very dark exploration of wrestling with your faith and death and the afterlife. And when you grow up with a culture of, of being in this like faith-led culture, where you then start to unravel that and start to wrestle with that, you, it brings these ideas of, well, what happens to me when I'm gone? And is death the end, really? And 
I think that this album is wrestling with a lot of that, as well as dealing with some trauma from his upbringing in religion. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that Hudson buttons all that up in a very, very dark way um, before ending the album on that. Before Rossum says goodbye. Right, before Rossum says goodbye and before ending the album on that lighter note of Young Lion, which I think is very intentionally, as you mentioned, Josh, slightly out of tune, very dissonant chords, mm-hmm. yet it's a very, it, in spite of that, it's it's a kind of uplifting and encouraging song um, with only one line of lyrics, You Take Your Time, Young Lion, um, which, is, which is contrasting, I think, to the rest of the album. Um, and I think that that slight, that song being slightly out of tune and the dissonant chords kind of contrast those lyrics and highlight that like, you take your time, young lion, like you don't know what you're doing, you don't have it all figured out, and there's gonna be mistakes, there's gonna be darkness as this album has been exploring, um, but that doesn't mean that like nothing matters. So I feel like if you had never heard Vampire Weekend and just listen to us talk about these albums, you would be 100% bought into Modern Vampires of the City. <laughs> like, yeah. that sounds, like, I've heard it, and I'm still like, man, this sounds like an awesome album. I need to listen <laughs> me to too. again. That's yeah. why I keep thinking. I, I will go listen to it. Well, Seriously. Yeah. And it's so funny. To me, Young Lion has always been this very peaceful, calming, beautiful song. It's, and it's I've out never of tune, and it's noticed. dissonant chords. And I've never noticed that. <laughs> well, I, think, I think that's the point. And it's, it, it is meant to be that, and yet it like nothing can be perfect right and so i think that's what it's that's what it has to say like it it very much is this peaceful calming almost encouraging song but Mm. um i think they very intentionally put some imperfections into it as well well and and just to make a quick tie i i with young lion on that one and then with um i think your contra on contra it's the same meditative repetitive Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uplifting calming him like sort of Mm -hmm somber but in a positive way vibe and i there must be a reason for that right on on those two albums like Mm -hmm. there has to be some sort of tie to end on that that like sort of note but i i've never noticed it was dissonant so now i need to go listen to it again it's just the first thing i noticed i was like wow i was like have all the keys been real for one and have all the keys been off I need to listen to that one again. Gosh, um, so man. cool. Yeah. I didn't notice the weird out-of-tune parts. Well, it's just that song. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, for that one. So I'll go back and do that. But um, my number one is self-titled, uh, Vampire Weekend. And the first note I wrote down was weird, but also interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Sums it up pretty well. <laughs> yeah. And this was the first album I listened to from them, front to back. And that was the first note I had. So, again, just kind of lately being into the whole weird arrangements kind of stuff is, I think this was kind of a perfect album for me to listen to. Um, Like, maybe a few months ago, I might not have been so on board with it, but I really do like it um, because it's just so unique. I've never heard something quite like it before, and honestly, I'm a bit surprised that they're so popular just because it is so different. Not because mm. it's not well written, but because it's so freaking different mm-hmm. than pretty much anything else that's out there. Yeah, which I proved. <laughs> which, which TK proved earlier with his. They were his set talk. up by the backs of all the emo and the punk. Yes. Yeah, becoming boring and dumb. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, a few highlights for me Cape Cod has some really cool clean guitars. 
Um, I like the guitar intro in Burn. Um, but I think in general I noticed that they typically just like repeat one riff for the guitar part. Um, at least in a lot of songs that I noticed, they have this one section that's a couple bars and they just kind of repeat it over and over, which is just kind of, it's, it's kind of the base for a song in a way, at least with this record. Just because a lot of this record, a lot of the bass is electric guitar, whereas in like Contra, it's a little more electronic stuff going on. Um, my favorite song on the record is Wolcott. Um, I had heard of it. I had heard it before. I didn't realize that it was a Vampire Weekend kind of note, but I think it's the best song on the album. And there's a riff in that that I feel like would norm normally be written with a guitar, but the piano did instead. Mm. I forget what it sounds like right now but even if I did I, <laughs> I wouldn't try to repeat it um, but I like the piano and that's just kind of goes to show like how different they are and how they think of how just how they think of arrangements and songs in general and it's really inspiring um, and this one feels like you're in the 1920s and you're walking down the middle of a street in a smaller town on a sunny day, not a care in the world, and people are saying hi to you as you go by, hmm. like their storefronts. That's sweet. I like that. Yeah, I can hear like with the pianos and Walcott, like. Aw, that's cool. Um, so my number one is Contra. <clears throat> partly because of how it was just tied to my life, and I just have really fond memories of of like you, TK, um, the song really ties me to a certain place in time and a mindset of feeling kind of young and endless opportunities and low stress, low worries, and just good vibes, I guess. Um, I also think it's the most influenced by Rostam, or Rostam. Uh, also was really into Discovery in college, and so that was a, a band we sort of talked about earlier. Mm -hmm. Highly recommended if you like Vampire Weekend, especially if you like Contra. There are some like direct songs that sound like, I mean, Discovery like collaborated. With and as somebody that doesn't really like electronic music, like I love that album. It's so good. Yeah. So highly recommend. Specifically, um, Diplomat Sun is like the most Discovery, the most electronic. Like mm -hmm. you talked a little bit of how it sounds like completely one song, and then there's this breakdown that slows down, and you're like traveling underwater, kind of. Right, and then it like comes. And back then it comes up. back yeah. up. And I, I do also want to point out, um, that song is interpreted as like a homosexual love affair, and it was from a mm -hmm. story that Ezra, I guess, wrote in college. Mm -hmm. um, and so there's some tie to me, too, because um, Rostam grew up, grew up outside of D.C., which is where I'm from. And so some of the lyrics can be tied to like the Potomac River, and the diplomat's mm -hmm. son is like an ambassador in D.C., mm -hmm. and, and he sort of had this thing with with a friend and it was confusing and he's trying to figure it out so that's just a like interesting side note um i think some of their songs they have stories um there was like a film ezra made where they got their name from about vampires and cape cod and like so there are some like narratives that are completely out there but they influence their songs anyways um contra I just think it, it is a great mix of electronic, but then also some of those world sounds. There's like harpsichords. Um, there's... Harpsichords. Harpsichords. That's how you say it. Yeah. Um, I also think it's a great tie between self-titled and modern vampires because it's like where they start introducing that choral and that like churchly background vibe. 
um, into the world music of the self-titled. And then, of course, Modern Vampire is, like, super heavily influenced by that. Um, so I think it's just, like, a really beautiful middle child that ties both of them together. Uh, so many good songs, Giving Up the Gun. That is really fascinating. It's about, according to them, um, this book that Ezra had about the Japanese shutting their borders, taking all the guns away, and reverting back to sword fighting. And, like, what does it mean to go back to a previous technology? Like, can we do that? And I had no idea. I just thought it was, like, a poppy, fun, like, hit. But then again, you just dive so deep with Vampire Weekend. Like, you can keep peeling the, la the layers off. Um, I also think they intentionally made it to be really, like, synth poppy and, like, radio-friendly. I think that was, like, one of the few ones on there that was supposed to be like that, personally. Um, also includes my favorite song ever by them, which is Run. I think it's so underrated. Again, just, like, a feel-good pop song, but, um, I just think, for some reason, that song really connected with my heart. Yeah, I just... There's so many little gems, even in Holiday, like, at the way that this album was produced, there's so many little layers for you to discover, and, like, at the end of Holiday, if you listen long enough, it sounds like you're in an office, and it's, like, this person dreaming of going on a holiday and getting away, and there's, like, the fax machine, and there's, like, a little beeping telephone, so I just, like, every time I listen to it, I like it more, and I find little more gems, even if it is a little bit more, um, it's less varied than some of the other albums, but to me, there's just so many little fun bits to it, and I just feel good listening to it, like, I feel like Modern Vampire is, like, heavy, and it's hard yeah. to get through, and it's intellectual, and it's somber sometimes, and this one, I'm just, like, summer day, windows down, orange juice, vibes. <laughs> um, for years, I had the Contra poster on my wall. Mm -hmm. um, it's like the you know the album artwork because that like came in the record. And I dated a girl that hated that. She'd always be like, "Do you you, you only have that because you think she's prettier than me?" Uh. Like, uh, no, it's Vampire Weekend. <laughs> Excuse me. And they actually got sued for that. Yeah. What? Mm -hmm. Yeah, they just took that image and it uh, that gal. Uh, at the time, she was like 50 when it came out, but they, she her image had been used to sell all kinds of things back in the day, but um, yeah, she ended up suing them over it. Wow, I didn't know that. Did she win? So the, they bought it from a photographer that they found, I guess, on Tumblr or something. So they I think they ended up suing the photographer who said he had rights to it when I guess he didn't, and so mm. they kind of weren't entirely involved, yeah. but... Uh, so it wasn't their fault. They yeah. bought it properly, but right. yeah, they just found it and bought it from the photographer, and he's like, I do have the original, but apparently, I don't know. Mm, I don't really get law, but I know that it was a big ordeal. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't a problem. It, it wouldn't have been a problem, probably, except that she had, uh, so it's her, I think it was like her daughter or her granddaughter was the one that had discovered it and was like, hey, come check this out. I see your picture. And then like, they're like, oh, that's kind of neat. And then like, she walked downtown, and it's, like, up on Times Square, j big, giant, her picture. But she had just finished cutting off all her hair because she was going through chemo for cancer. Mm. And it, so it turned into a whole thing where it was, like, super emotional horror for her to see this picture of herself plastered all over mm. everywhere with her gorgeous hair on it. And she's like, if it had been up to me, I wouldn't have sold this photo. And it, and I think that's where it mm. when it came down to. Interesting. I didn't know that part. Huh. Anyway, all right, my number one is also Contra. 
Um, I, I, for me, I felt like Contra and Self-Titled were very similar, and it was hard for me to pick one that I liked the best. Um, and so it was kind of, I'm, I was kind of just, I don't know, I just was like, put a finger down and point this one. But mostly because of one particular song. One, so on the last album, Self-Titled, I talked a lot about uh, Ezra's uh, guitar playing and his musicianship uh, I, that I, I, I think is really, really good. Um, but also, he does all that while singing. Um, in this particular album, uh, I really liked his vocals. Um, and it, some of the, uh, the lyrics are very complex, but he sings them very quickly at times, like the song California English. Mm-hmm. I had to like, I, that was one of the first ones that I looked at the lyrics because I couldn't, I couldn't hear like the first two lines. I'm like, what is mm-hmm. he, it's, is he speaking in another language and that's what he's calling California English mm-hmm. or, and he's, me- it's meant to be fast like that. And he's yeah. saying it weirdly because of the idea of the song, but I just thought it was really interesting. But, um. I think my favorite song on this album and uh, from what I've listened to and how much I've listened to them of their discography is the last song in this album, I Think You're a Contra. Um, he sings this song completely, entirely in his falsetto. Uh, and it, unless you really like pay attention, you might not know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it is so clean, it's so, it's so good, he has so much control over it, you wouldn't be like, oh yeah, that's his falsetto. No, it's like, yeah, that is his falsetto. And he even, uh, he even talks about it in an interview. He said that this is one of his favorite songs of the album, but also he feels more, uh, almost exposed and vulnerable because of the lyrics of this song, but also because it's the first song he's ever done fully in his falsetto. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I really like the keys in this album. Um, I think the keys in, in the other albums are really good, but I like the keys in this one. Keys is another instrument where I like to pay attention to it because it's an instrument that I wish that I could play, like especially good piano parts that flow and are beautiful. And uh, so when I when I hear good good keys that aren't just chords, but there's there's melodies and things like that, I, I latch onto that because I, I wish I could do it. I, I think it's gorgeous. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's one, but I, I, I think your Contra is like the earworm for this album and mm-hmm. all of this. There's other songs that would get stuck in my head, but I think it's very beautiful, his voice in this one, and, uh, I think it showcases his, his, uh, vocal talent. Nice. Hmm. I love all the, like, research and attention to detail and just, I don't know, it's, like, this is making me really like Vampire Weekend. <laughs> and that is, I, yeah. I, I think yeah. that's such a cool thing about, like, because I, I walked into doing Super Chick just like, oh my gosh. And then I came out the other end being like, yeah, like, you know, like, not, I mean, not to the extent of, you know, like Vampire Weekend, but I think it's cool to just, again, like, take something that maybe, like, you don't really think twice about and then come out on the other end just like, man, I really appreciate this. Mm-hmm. Um, and having that kind of conversation about it, so. Yeah. I have a question for mm-hmm. Jonathan and Josh. Yeah. Said so you two were kind of the ones who like didn't really listen to Vampire Weekend before this. Mm-hmm. Um, will you keep listening? I'm going to listen to uh, to Modern Vamps again. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I it's not going to probably show up in my playlist. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, but but 
it's not because I don't like it. It just it ob it also would be very out of place in my playlist. <laughs> <laughs> my right. wife would be like, "What? What happened? Did I ac accidentally add a song where I wasn't supposed to?" Like, <laughs> um, but I, yeah, I I definitely I like it. It's just it's not gonna be my everyday listening. Shut up. That was kind of moving more toward this sort of genre area already. So mm -hmm. I'm gonna I think I'm gonna listen to all their albums again at least once cool for sure i have another question hmm? okay picture post covid front row concert in your freaking bucket hat from the thrift store it's the encore what song do you request for them to play live boxer comma solid mine was run just because i love that song and i've never heard it live um I'm the worst at these kinds of questions, and Ooh, I like, yeah. refuse to pick one. Okay. But it would be either Oxford Comma or Diane Young. Mm -hmm. That would be fun. I just hard. think it'd be fun to listen to that one live. Yeah. Ottoman. Mm. Mm. I think Ottoman's a really good song. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's not on an album, though. But that's, it's a really good song. That's a really good question, though. Uh, we haven't really question. done I something would, like that before. Honestly, like giving up the gun, though. Like, it, so somebody good. feels. So good. Well, I had to, like, know when I went to the concert, like, if I get picked, yeah, what, what am, am I, I saying? Say? Yeah, like, yeah, no. Yeah. Or maybe just for, like, the live spectacle, like, Cousins, just because it's so freaking weird. Yeah. So cool. But yes. all those punk songs live, like, people were so into it, and they were jumping, they were so energetic, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, that's one of their most popular songs. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The music, that's such a cool music video. SoCal Punk. Yeah. Jonathan? I mean, I don't know, I... <laughs> I definitely have to listen to them again to know for sure, but I mean, I'm sure they play Walcott um, That's, or Harmony Hall. I I'm think sure Walcott would be mine. Yeah. I'm sure they would, but if they hadn't yet, I'd probably just yell that just to make sure they did. Mm -hmm. Walcott or Harmony Hall? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Nice. This has been super fun. This has been so cool. I think like, yeah. Vampire Weekend is such a cool band, and they're so interesting in like, the way that they, with their lyrics and all their interesting like musical choices, and so it's been really cool. Like, I honestly came into this episode thinking like, oh, I feel like a lot of our lists are going to be really similar, but they they weren't, and so mm -hmm. I, I really appreciate that. And I appreciate four. like all the different takes. So, um, well, did anybody even have the same list? Ours were really close. I we had a couple close ones. But I don't think anyone so. had exactly the same list, which is impressive for only four albums. Yeah. So yeah, yeah seriously. So yeah. Ali, thanks so much for doing yeah, this with us. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for including me. Yeah, it was super fun. Yeah. And um, to all of our listeners, thanks for joining us. And I hope your taste in music just got a little Slightly more terrible. More terrible. <laughs> I'm a little offended that Vampire Weekend, Weekend is on My Taste in Music is Terrible. We started this with Reliant K, which collectively is pretty much all four of our favorite bands. Yeah. <laughs> it's w at least up there in top three. And so, uh, yeah. We feel like we have to go back and forth. Like, it's, we do a good yeah. band, and then we do one that we're not so much yeah. a fan of. Yeah, okay. Yeah. But last week was VeggieTales, so. So then that was random. So, <laughs> but it, it came from, like, a girl that I dated, because she would, like, a few months ago, like, when we broke up, she was, like, one of the things that she said is, like, your taste in music is terrible. And I, like, I just mm -hmm. remember kind of being like, oh, okay. <laughs> and then that's, like, why we named that. <laughs> my taste music is terrible. Well, I think it's just like a. It's, it's just like, funny. It's, it's just a good name for a podcast yeah. too. Like it doesn't matter if the music's actually terrible. Yeah. Shout out to no. <laughs> <laughs> and... All right. See you guys later. Love you. <laughs>